0: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, yeah, sure, what's the catch? Well, uh, there isn't one. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. The team here at Literally has tried Mint Mobile out, and this is the review.
1: For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. It was great. To get
0: this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com/literally. That's mintmobile.com/literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/literally. Additional taxes fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for details.
2: 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Somebody Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're going to make it out of here, we got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. She was hired to fix DC's 911 problems. It was the worst I'd ever seen. But instead says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs in leadership. Now the I team digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on 7 News at 5. Hey,
0: everybody. I hope you've enjoyed the fantastic episodes we've released this month. Charlie Puth and my moderated panel with Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry. But today, I want to present you with maybe one of the most fun interviews I've ever done. So I'm resharing my interview with Big Red himself, the legendary Conan O'Brien. And it's in preparation for my all new episodes starting next week. And we're starting the new season of literally with molly ringwald gee i wonder if she and i might have any thing to talk about from the 80s in the Brat pack movies you think i think we might um so if you haven't heard this episode with conan you're in for a real treat and if you have heard it i think you need to listen to it again so anyway thanks for all the support we've got a lot of fun episodes coming up on the podcast very very soon thanks for downloading What's happening? Yeah, now we're talking. How the tables have turned. Usually, I'd
1: be coming out to see you and your beautiful desk with some nightscape. We thought it was time that a talk show had a nightscape behind it. That was my idea. I invented that in uh, 1948. I saw an old Carson clip. He had, like, really bad plastic ferns. Yes, yes. Carson was the first uh, between two ferns. He was the guy who invented it.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Literally with Rob Lowe. On the podcast today, Big Red, the king, the reddest, palest, tallest, okay, I'm going to say it, quasi most frightening looking man in show business. And certainly one of the funniest and one who is etched his way on the Mount Rushmore of, of late night hosts. He's the longest serving late night host. Um, and like Ty Cobb said, it ain't bragging if you've done it. We will talk
1: to Conan O'Brien. You're a guy that likes to get out there on your surfboard. Yep. Sort of be one with nature. Totally. and That's, that's where you and I differ. You've, when was the last time you've seen the sun? Well, let's see. I think Gerald Ford was president. I think it was that. I think it was seventy. I'm going to say seventy five was the last time I actually saw the sun. When the,
0: when he pardoned Nixon, you yes. came out like potuxy Phil.
1: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. When I heard about that, Gerald Ford had pardoned Nixon. I was so excited because I was, you know, big pro Nixon guy. Uh, I ran outside in my in my glee and looked up at the sun and said, fiery orb, me must hide. (laughs) And then I went back inside (laughs) and it's been since then I stick out on the beach because when I wander the beach and I've told people this before, but I look like Rose Kennedy shortly before she passed away. I'm covered. (laughs) I'm covered in like I've got a floppy hat. I've got Eight kinds of different REI sun shirts. I'm swaddled, like, and I'm the uncoolest looking person you've ever seen. And then I've seen you out there on the water, you know, a chiseled Adonis soaking up the sun, becoming more powerful every second. It's not fair, is what I'm saying, and I'm angry. Well, listen,
0: my lovely wife. Who is a was when she first started out one of the great makeup artists in the business until she went on to other things? Thinks I get too much sun, and she thinks that I am going to end up like Tris Speaker's baseball mitt, right? If I'm not, if I'm not careful, and would like me to be more like you, but I I can't pull it off. What what
1: what's your regimen to be?
0: If I were to be more like Conan O'Brien on the beach,
1: what would I have to okay. do? Uh, you'd start by not going to the beach. That'd be the well, first the thing problem. you would do. Yeah, that's the first thing you do. I don't belong on a beach. And anyone who sees me on a beach immediately knows I shouldn't be on a beach. Uh, but I think that if you had any kind of skin issue, you'd have known it by now. You know? I right? Mean, yes. and 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 you don't look like someone who gets... Too much sun. And we all know celebrities who get too much sun. And you and I. I'm not there yet. I'm not in the late. Oh, God, er no, no, you're not there at all. Now, we both, you know, the
0: late era Roy Scheider.
1: Yes. Did you ever see any of that action? Yes, I saw Roy Scheider. I used to see him when we were doing our show out in New York. We would go uh, occasionally I'd make my way out to the Hamptons and, you know, to visit somebody. I never had a place out there, but I'd go out there to the Hamptons and I would go to a restaurant. And Roy Scheider was always at any restaurant you went to. I think restaurants paid Roy Scheider to show (laughs) up and be at their restaurant. And he couldn't have been nicer. He was always like, hey, man, how are you? But yes, you could tell that he had constantly been in the sun. And I think he was one of those guys who you know, in the, in the 60s, people used to hold up reflectors and hold them up to their faces to bake their faces like a potato. I think he was one of those guys because it looked like he had re-entered orbit uh, using his face.
0: Uh, I'll do you one better. I saw him with my own eyeballs at the Sunset Marquee pool with one of the mirrors with a hole in it so you could put your noggin through it. Baking his face with Crisco. Oh, God.
1: Oh, God. So your your instinct was correct, sir. Can you imagine being Roy Scheider and going to the beach? No. Because his most iconic role is Jaws. And he, I think he told me that anytime he went to the beach, people would go da-da, da-da, dun And as if they were the first one to think of it, and he had to sit there and listen to them do that and go, ha yeah, that's good. I, that's funny. Yes. While his face cooked. The smell of frying Roy Scheider, baking the air.
0: I, uh, that's my favorite movie, incidentally. Jaws.
1: It's kind of a, it is perfect. It's one of the few perfect movies. There's not, a, there's not a false note in it.
0: Although Spielberg always says that he regrets what he did to sharks and legitimately, like, he'll mess up, he'll, like, tear up because he feels like people unnecessarily hate Great
1: White Sharks because of that movie. And he's right, by the way. Right. Great White Sharks uh, rarely attack. They're great. They're great creatures. And people now think that they only associate them with that movie. So... Well, uh, and you
0: know, um, you know, the beach you were just talking about in Carpinteria. Yep. Where you come up and parade like Rose Kennedy. Yep. Has... For the first time ever, a family of great white sharks. Did you know this? I No, I didn't know this. Yeah, so they're something with the climate change or the, the currents, but it started about three years ago. And there are, there's a family of great whites that patrol that beach. They're there all, all, almost all the time. Um, I paddleboarded out with them and uh, it was spectacular to look down and, and see them. But they were right They're right there. Now, wait a minute,
1: you're telling me that you have no fear when you're around a family of great white sharks, and all you have is a paddle board
0: here's the thing. I will do anything for a camera, yes, and there was a camera there was a camera there, yeah, and my narcissism and my actor's competitiveness flared, yep, and the next thing I was out on the board, and there it was it was uh but Here's the thing, they're juveniles. So that you don't really they're they're not really gonna come after you. If it was a no, mama but, or but something, I wouldn't but have done it. Here's the
1: thing. Here's the thing that you're yeah. not thinking about. Well, there's you a know, lot I'm not thinking about usually. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, if we just went into let's do a whole segment called Things Rob Lowe isn't thinking about. And uh there'd be well, there wouldn't be enough time. But no, there'd I'm be saying, five years. Yeah. What I'm saying is they're juveniles now. But you know when you watch a great movie like The Godfather 2. They always make sure, uh, the old Don will make sure that, okay, I can't just kill the father and the mother. I've got to kill the young son too because he's going to grow up, come back here, pretend he has an olive oil company, but stab me on my porch 40 years from now. And that's exactly what happens. Those juveniles are looking at you now and they're like, we're not going to forget. We're coming back and we're going to get this motherfucker. And it might be 10 years, it might be 20. But they see you uh, posing in front of them and, and having yourself shot with cameras. And they're like, we will not forget. So they may be juveniles now, but they will settle this score. You know that. Yeah, they'll be like that he did not pay a scale for being on camera. Yeah. Those sharks were unpaid. You took advantage of them. And in fact, I saw the video, you attacked them at one point. You start yeah. biting the door, their dorsal fins. <laughs>
0: their, their dorsal fins. <laughs> Do they have a dorsal fin? Yeah. They, of course. And what's amazing, when you know how when you watch, uh, you look out and you see a fin and you go, oh, it's a shark and it's always a dolphin? Yep. Always. When you see an actual shark fin, it is unmistakable. Yes. It's like, oh, yeah. They look nothing like what we always think are sharks and their dolphins. They, they, In fact, it looks fake. It looks All like right. Jaws. It looks like a fake triangle going across no, the water. It's, uh,
1: uh, it looks like everything you've ever seen in like a bad pirate movie. I have a story to tell you, which is about two years ago. I'm in Carpinteria. My wife and I have a, a small place there on the beach, sort of a clam shack, if you will. And I actually sell mm-hmm. clams out the back illegally. Yep. Uh, and we... I'm friends with the actor Tim Oliphant and the best. He's the best. He's the best. He's a wonderful guy. Hilarious. Very funny. We did the, we did the grinder together. Oh, there you go. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So you guys have worked together. He's, he's great. He's visiting and, uh, he decides, Hey man, Hey, let's, let's go down there and jump in the water. And it was, it was kind of cold. It was a little off season, but I thought, all right, Tim Oliphant's going to do it. And I, I had to, uh, in order to get into the water, I had to take off the nine layers. And then I had to run bare-chested down to the ocean with Tim Oliphant, which is not putting me in a good light. Let's just leave it at that, you know? The, I, man's, the man's an Adonis. He's an Adonis. Like you, I've been very careful to avoid Rob Lowe and Tim Oliphant shirtless. I don't want the comparisons out there. But I run out there and I look like uh, I just got out of an iron lung. And he, of course, looks uh, like he's been chiseled by uh, by, you know, a great uh, Italian sculptor. We both run down there. We jump in the water and his handsome head is floating and my orange pumpkin is floating and we're both in the (coughs) water. And then this fin went by and he went, hey, man, check out the check out the dolphin. And I'm looking at the fin and I said, and this is the same Carpentria Beach you're talking about. I said, that's not a dolphin. And he went, what is it? And I went, that is a shark. And he was like, there's no way that's a shark. And he went, oh, no, 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 that's a shark. And it turned out I was right. It was a shark. And Whoa. Yeah, and it just went right by us. Now, it was also a juvenile, so we, I wasn't right. freaked out. But uh, yes, what happens is dolphins, uh, their fins, they arch. They come yeah, out they arch. and they go back down. Yeah. And then they come out and they go back down. Uh, a, a shark's really looks like someone is pulling a fake fin through the water. It doesn't arch. It doesn't go anywhere. But the shark was just wanted to check out Oliphant. It was uh, sexually attracted to him. And uh, it was only my chest that kept it from coming any closer. Um, You were the recipient
0: of one of the great quotes I have ever heard about about fame and if anything we do in this business has any staying power or matters and what our place in the pecking order is, and that's the great Albert Brooks quote. Conan, you remember this?
1: Yep. He told me, uh, Albert Brooks, and I'll <clears throat> give him a shout-out again, people, I oft, sometimes I try and think, like, who are the absolute funniest people? Like, you know, and, and this is a conversation I have with myself sometimes, and I take it really seriously, and I think, well, Marx Brothers, when they're hitting on all cylinders, W.C. Fields, Um, Albert Brooks, I put way up there as just when Albert Brooks, uh, in his albums, in his TV appearances, uh, and, but in his movies, when he's hitting on all cylinders, I, I cannot think of anyone who's better. Yeah, I've always been, uh, intimidated by just the idea of meeting him. And then, uh, I came out here to LA and I got to meet him. And immediately I'm fawning and I'm saying, you know, your work is really important. You make movies. I'm in the disposable pen business. You know, like I make one at night and then it's just dropped in the shredder. And I was starting (laughs) to go down that that line of reasoning. And he cut me off and he was like, no, 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 none of it matters. Nothing It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Clark Gable. Clark Gable was the face, the face of the 20th century. That's what people said. Who the fuck now cares about Clark Gable? And he was just drilling this into me like all of it's forgotten. And then I took that to heart. And then Later on, I'm doing an interview. This is many years later. I'm doing an interview with someone at the New York Times. And they're saying, but if you do such and such, I think it's when I decided to go to Half Hour. They said, are you worried about what this might mean for your legacy? And I just (laughs) said, I said, legacy? And I was, that's when I brought up Albert Brooks and None of It Matters. And I said to the guy, look, it was just this image I had in my head. All of our graves, all of our graves (laughs) go untended. Meaning, you know, yeah, someone's, they're going to put me in the ground somewhere and people are going to come by for a couple of days. And then within three years, there's weeds growing over that thing. No one gives a shit. So you're just here now, do it now. And then it's over when it's over. And uh, that, that got me this, um, this street cred online for a couple of days as Conan is goth. (laughs) 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 <laughs> which is really funny to think of me as Rose Kennedy, meaning it by, by extension, Rose Kennedy is goth.
0: It's the greatest. All, I, I, I think that was the title of the piece
1: I read is All of Our Graves Go Untended. Yeah, something like that, which is... And you know what's funny? People, if you talk that way, people will think that you're being negative. And, uh, but it's was, not. It's actually freeing. It's really it's, freeing and positive. Yeah, it's so freeing and it's so positive to say because I used to... Uh, When I was coming up and in the early days of doing my show, I used to look at someone like a Johnny Carson or a David Letterman and think, well, they don't have a care in the world because they're just revered. They've accomplished it. So they just must walk through life on a cloud. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Everybody's dealing and and that's not how they see it. You know, uh, and then you realize that everybody's comparing themselves to the impossible ideal they've created of someone else. So there's a whole generation of comedians that thought, well, I'm not Jack Benny. i will never be Jack Benny. And then I'll never be Steve Martin. Who could ever be better than Steve Martin? And so everybody sort of hates themselves and at the same time thinks that someone else has achieved the ideal. when if you could get into the head of, I know you and I have talked about, uh, you know, like a Cary Grant or someone who everybody thought was the ideal and you got the chance to meet him. And of course, Cary Grant's not thinking that Cary Grant's thinking about his impoverished childhood and the movie roles that got away and what's he going to do tomorrow. And he's not sitting around just watching North by Northwest and thinking I'm Cary Grant. Isn't this amazing? He's and if he was, you know, that would be sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, so that's the great quote that I I learned
0: early on in sort of recovery and uh, we would just never compare your insides to someone else's outsides. Right. And I've, I've, that's, th- I always remember that. But on the other side of it, you can't blame us for putting people, others on a pedestal because how does the notion of an insecure Cary Grant work? That's not even a good impression. I don't even want to do that. <laughs> be like, what would, yeah, you should do it. it a- he'd be like, if only I knew what kind of product to buy at the market. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they want eggs. I don't make eggs. I can't make eggs for her. She's going to think <laughs> I'm a terrible man. I, uh,
1: It's also, yeah, it's Cary Grant, probably. I don't do a Cary Grant, but it would be Cary Grant. Just, I could I can come up, you know, just Cary Grant being like, why would I go to that party? No one wants to see me. (laughs) People hate me.
0: They'll think I'm old and that I should have dyed my
1: hair. Sadly, I've let it go gray way before my time. And I look
0: ridiculous in these glasses.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it's funny. He's, you know... Uh, And maybe he wasn't, maybe he didn't have an insecure bone in his body, but, uh, but yeah, you're right.
0: He did a lot of acid. Did you, and that's my favorite Cary Grant thing. You know, he's like one of the earliest, you know, you, you know. Timothy Leary acolytes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, he was into it in the mind expanding. He did a lot of acid in the sixties and he was getting into it early. Yeah. He got into it early and was really interested in its potential to expand horizons. It was like in the 50s. It was like before the hippies got a hold of it. Cary Grant, now the
0: hippies have done it.
1: (laughs) I like the idea of Cary Grant getting into it. He's actually in the lab while they're working on it in 1948. I'd like to try that. (laughs) (laughs) He was in way too early. But, you know, yeah, don't compare your insights to someone else's outsides. Yes, that's that's good. I'm going to try and remember that. I should compare it, the inside of my penis to someone else's larger penis. Is that how it goes? That is that is how it goes. That's that's okay. the one caveat. Yeah. That's the asterisk at the, at the quote. Yeah, right. Where it's like, exactly. unless it's a penis. Yes, and then you there's no way you're not going to compare. No, look, men are obsessed with it. Of course, there's that also has an asterisk. Are we talking uh, flaccid or erect? Uh, I always like to throw that asterisk in. Shower um, or grower? Exactly. I mean. I, you know, uh, erect, I'll take on all comers. Uh, but, uh, and that's no pun intended, but, yeah, uh, right. but, you know, but, but flaccid, uh, you know, that's a discussion I don't want to have. Mine actually goes up inside my body. It goes up into the body cavity and like uh, an acorn, like an acorn head. Yeah. And it, what it does is it nests in there and it has, uh, <laughs> it, it goes into, it goes into my body cavity and it nests. When it's not in use. And uh, it has a lot of reading material. Uh, my penis reads a great deal inside my body cavity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. it was
2: too stupid.
1: But there you go.
2: Hold the thought. We'll be right back. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases. And 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
0: You know what else is gone for the fun is the uh, White House press correspondence dinner, which I know oh, yeah. you hosted. you hosted twice. Yeah. And... Right. And it's it's gone because Trump just like was like, I'm not going there. And and so it's kind of
1: over, which is a bummer. It will come back. I mean, it'll it'll it will come back. I think it's this is a temporary. But it is funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's interesting that every president. Did it and they knew that, well, this is just part of being president is you need to go to the White House Correspondents Association dinner and you've got to tell kind of some funny jokes. And everybody did it. And obviously some uh, presidents, uh, I think Reagan was very good at it. Uh, some presidents were very good at it. I mean, Barack Obama was an absolute uh, master at it. Killer. Uh, and, yeah. Killer. And, and then you would watch, uh, so everybody just did it. And it kind of a fascinating thing about Trump is that he just decided yeah, I'm not going to do any of these things that people say I have to do. I'm just not doing them. Like, I think there's a chance there won't even be presidential debates. You know, I don't know that he'll debate Joe Biden because, you know, it's a given that you have to debate your rival before the November election. And I I wouldn't put it past him to go like, nah, nah, not doing that. <laughs> like, you know, what when, mean? I don't know. I don't, yes, he could say yeah. anything. He could sell the White House. He's got this he's got this ability to just say, uh, you know what? I don't care what other people do. I'm selling the White House. I got I got uh six hundred thousand dollars for it. <laughs> I'm selling it. I'm selling it to the Marriott chain. Uh, you know, and I'll pocket the money. Hey, you can't do that. I just did it. What are you gonna do? So, could, it
0: could be the Trump White House. I mean he yeah. could literally he could brand it. He could
1: brand it. And he will I, brand that it. I actually don't think is that far of a possibility. I have something to propose to you, which is Yes. Trump doesn't uh, and, and the GOP in general, but they don't have a lot of celebrities on their side. Mm. They don't have, you know, the way and, and they have like a handful of. Why is that?
0: Why is that, though, historically? Why is it like if, if it's like Barack Obama and he has a fundraiser, he's got Eddie Vedder and oh, Bruce he's got Springsteen Anybody and Beyonce.
1: And right. then the GOP has got like the Beach Boys. Not even the, all the Beach Boys. It's like one Beach Boy. There's literally a beach, it's a beach boy. boy, yeah, it's beach boy. Got beach boy, and there's uh, usually uh, some country star, and then there's John Voight, I think, right? I think John yeah. Voight is in there. So, but he's I, not. He's not playing any music, so he's useless. No, but what I'm saying is, I think you and I should go hard for Trump. Now we should just both now. say like Rob Lowe and Conan O'Brien. We we support Trump to the hilt. They would invite us to the White House. We would get invited immediately, you know, uh, and oh, yeah, and sure. just com- no. And then completely embrace and, and we would get invited to all kinds of great stuff. And we would get, uh, you know, you know, and- to be really
0: great for what our careers. Well,
1: I mean, really great. great. OK, you're being sarcastic. I think it actually puts us on the tip of everyone's tongue. and I think it puts us on the tip of the spear. Yeah. Well, listen, as Liz Taylor said, all publicity is good publicity.
0: Liz Taylor also used to stick a fucking onion in her face to cry on screen. I saw that with my own eyes, by the way.
1: Did you really? Tell me about Mm -hmm. that. Let's talk about that. And then we'll get back to my idea that no, we we'll both throw our... I, 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 I'm, I'm very, very into this Trump thing, actually. No, no, no. I, 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 I know you are. I know you are. But everyone's talking about Trump. No one's talking about... You saw Liz, Liz Taylor. Taylor stick an onion in her face so that she could cry? I did. All right. Tell me that. So um,
0: my br- brother, Chad Lowe, who is a wonderful actor and current uh, television director, was doing a movie um, called There Must Be a Pony that I believe was written by, um, hang on, uh, Joan Didion, my favorite author's husband, Gregory Dunn. And uh, it was Robert Wagner, uh, Robert Wagner, for those of you. R.J. R.J., we call him. R.J. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, or number two in Austin (laughs) Powers' world. And uh, so RJ and uh, Liz are playing husband and wife, and Chad Lowe's the young son, and I come to visit on the set, and it's a scene where RJ comes in and has to tell Liz Taylor that there's been a terrible plane crash, and uh, one of our family members is dead. So I'm watching the rehearsal, and, and Liz is like, what if I made a salad? It's in the kitchen. Great. So she's making a salad, but what she's very casually done is that allows her to have a giant raw onion <laughs> right in front of herself. And... That's genius. RJ comes in and says, "This is, I, I have something terrible to tell you. There's a terrible plane crash, and there have been no survivors. And she literally turns around, and she's now put the onion in a like a, 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 a paper towel of some sort. And she puts the paper towel in her face like... Ah! Like she gave me, oh! <laughs> and then turns around and it's
1: just waterworks. And I That's was like Fantastic. Yeah. That's I was fantastic. like, wow. That's great. That's great. Method sh method. That's the way to do it. She's only got two fucking Oscars. The hell does yeah. she care? You know what I love is when you said that she used an onion to cry, I was for a minute thinking that she had sliced an onion and had it on a, a rope and a pulley. And, and, <laughs> and that, <laughs> RJ comes in to give her the bad news and you suddenly hear a little <laughs> of rope going across pulley and then you see a half an onion come just barely into frame. <laughs> I like, the, towel, the towel, of course, much better.
0: Much better. I, I like your Rube Goldbergian version of yeah. like, it's a, it's a special effect. You've turned it into a whole special effect. Yeah. Like on the, yeah. on the call sheet, it'd be like next day,
1: uh, rain machines, smoke machines, Liz's onion apparatus. Liz's onion. Liz's onion apparatus, and there'd be a guy, a union guy, who was an onion wrangler, and he would be off camera, and someone would actually have to say, the onion, cue the onion, and then... (laughs) Onion just slowly coming into frame, just barely, so if you're careful, you can see it. Uh, Yeah, she
0: was... She was amazing. She was just just amazing. I mean, that was also, they gifted her with a trailer in purple because she was famously had purple eyes and she didn't like the color. So they had to return it. This is a TV movie. By the way, this is just a TV movie.
1: You know, there was a, I want to say there's like a 10, at least a 10 year period or maybe a 12 year period where all anybody in America could think or talk about was Liz Taylor and Richard Burton and the size Mm -hmm. of her, you know, engagement ring and they're broke up, but now they're together again. Now they broke up again. Now they're together again. And people forget this. And it goes back to that uh, thing we were talking about earlier, the Albert Brooks is like, nothing matters. Right. But there was a 12-year period in American history where all anybody thought about in America was Elizabeth Taylor and what she up to today. That's how huge she was and how much she dominated the national conversation,
0: and then in the photos, what I like looking back in it—they're clearly smashed.
1: Yeah. Also, this is the thing you can see in, uh, you know, it, it was part of the culture. Like you woke up and you had a drink, you, and that yeah. was the, that was the way that you lived. And if you were a Peter O'Toole or Richard mm. Burton, I mean, it was a english tradition and it also sort of became an american tradition too like and and it became this culture of you're just drinking all the time everybody was drinking all the time and then uh overnight i think people realized wait a minute this is a fucking disease (laughs) this is not you know know. it's really true
0: i mean and, and it is overnight because i can remember when it was in and in Europe, this sounds cliche to say, and in Europe they still. But it is it's true in Europe, people routinely drink at lunch. Yeah, like business meetings. Like if you were at a proper business meeting in New York and you had a, I'm mean, gonna have a scotch,
1: people would think you have a serious alcohol problem. I've been, I've on this when I've been on vacation. I'll be on vacation say, and I'm with my wife, and we're someplace you know, we're in Paris, we're in some great place. And I'll notice that I'm very relaxed. We're eating a late lunch. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon. And there've been times where I've thought, I've said like, hey, I'm going to get some white, you know, I'm going to get a glass of white wine with lunch. And maybe I'll have two glasses of white wine with lunch because I'm on vacation. And why not? And you do it and you realize why not, which is (laughs) you can't, You're not yourself, not only for the rest of the day, but like, no, that just doesn't work. And the idea that people used to say, well, it's 1130 or it's quarter to 12. We're all going to go to Delmonico's or we're going to go to Ciro's or we're going to go to, you know, um, name name your Mm -hmm. your cliched restaurant with a giant menu from the 60s. And the first thing you do when you sit down before you even ask is they put a double in front of you and you smash it back and you get bombed. And that's what people did famously. You know, it's the Mad Men culture. It's the, it was just the way I think people thought you were supposed to live. It was, uh, you know, Dean Martin, I think faked it for a long time. Dean Martin was not. Is uh, that true? Is is that true? Cause- well, I think he did. For a long time, he faked it. He would he would be on stage and he would have literally uh, grapefruit juice with soda in it or something. And it would, you know, pretending it was because it was so his act that he was always blotto. But of course, right. you couldn't do what he did and be blotto. And then I, I think sadly later on it, it, what I've heard is that it became less of an act. I think when his right, that's what son, I'd always when son, heard. When his son passed away, and and tragically, he, I think he it morphed from an act to the real thing. Which is also uh, W. C. Fields famously never drank, didn't drink for years and years and years because he was a he's his whole early career was the greatest juggler in the world. He performed for all the crown heads of Europe, and he could do all these amazing things. And he would sometimes in his act. I think it was part of his act to drink, but he didn't. And then, of course, later on, he became sadly the real thing. So, you know,
0: the um, what? What did W. C. Fields? His great quote about why he doesn't drink water.
1: I don't know that. What, I, I'm sure I've heard it, but I don't. What, what, what is it? Because fish fucking it. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder that didn't make it into a movie. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't know. I don't do at WSC Fields, but I love. I love that quote. That's a good one. I told my trainer that he told he told me to hydrate more. I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Here's the thing. You're like when when you open the um, the dictionary or encyclopedia of which no none exist anymore, as you know, because everything's online. But if right. if you still had one, yep. And you would see Irish, yep, Catholic. There'd be a yep. picture of young Conan O'Brien. Maybe how did you like reconcile the great Irish tradition of just being really loving to drink?
1: Well, I grew up, uh, it's interesting because uh, there are two ways if you're part of an immigrant culture, uh, Irish immigrant culture, there were two ways that you could screw up your life, uh, I think, and this is like a very 19th century idea. But one was uh, to get someone pregnant out of wedlock. And of course, the other was to become an alcoholic. By the way, so, both,
0: both, both the activity of doing such, really fun. So Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Fucking problem. Uh, but the problem is, so what happened was I grew up in a long line of, it's a completely dry house. So Oh, um, wow. My parents, there was, I've never seen my parents hold a drink. I've seen them. I have not even seen them. I think at my wedding, they like held a glass of wine, but they wouldn't uh, sip it. I've never seen my parents sip a drink and their, gran- their parents didn't drink. So my grandparents didn't drink and there wasn't Whoa. any alcohol in the house. Now we kept my dad, there was a little cabinet in our house that was locked and my dad had the key and there was liquor in there in case fr- people came over you know, in the 60s and 70s and wanted a drink, my dad would go and get this key and open it up and we would see him bring out uh, some liquor that was for other people. But I'm sure it was terrible liquor in, in right. like a bottle of, you know, wine in a hot closet. I mean, I, I, I'm <laughs> sure people knew when they came to our house to bring their own liquor. So as a result, I did not drink at all. Wow. I never, I never touched alcohol. Wait, so you're in I, high school.
0: You're in you're nothing, fucking going to nothing, Harvard. Nothing. They yeah, want I, you to be on the secret societies and shit
1: there. Uh, well, I was on, you know, it's more than that because I was at Harvard. Harvard itself doesn't mean drinking, but I was on the Lampoon, and the Lampoon is basically, <laughs> it's it, very talented people on the Lampoon, and you have to compete to get in and write stuff and draw cartoons and everything. But once you get in, everybody drinks constantly, and I was completely, uh, I, I was surrounded by completely, uh, soused, uh, you know, very talented, but drunk people. And I was always had a Coca-Cola in my, in my cup and I never drank all the way through college. Wait, wait, wait. And this, this is, a, this is
0: fascinating to me because so was the thinking on your part is because what I'm hearing is it's not like you were scared of something like oh I don't want to be like this person because the only thing you had to model it after were people who were successfully not drinking under any circumstances. Right. I didn't. So it didn't know. come from
1: fear. It didn't come from fear. Well, actually, it 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 does because if you grow up being told you know you must never ever ever you know. uh, Go into the dark forest that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you might not, you might grow up not going into the dark forest. There's two personality types. One would be like, I'm going there right away and I'm going to hang out there all the time. And the other is, I will not go there at all. I didn't drink, I didn't touch it. And I think I started to um, have wine in my twen- mid 20s but really not at all till later 20s. I mean, I'm not kidding. This is real. And then But you're but you're you're a, you're an alcoholic now though. Oh, now. Oh my god. Oh, well, thank you for finishing the sentence. Yeah. Uh, I uh I do it all now. I do it all. Yeah, right. Um, I uh I have a crack pipe under my pillow. Uh, I have yeah, meth math hanging from the ceiling. Uh, this uh, and it's this, just black tar heroin. But, no, I you know what's funny? I do I don't like um to this day, I just can't stand. I don't like spirits. Like when people, mm. when people uh, have whiskey, and people are all the time saying, "Oh, Conan, you know, you know what it's like. You, you, you go someplace and people say, if they recognize you, this is on the house." But yeah, uh, uh, this is aged fifty-year-old whiskey in oak barrels. It's really just incredible. It tastes like gasoline to me. So I have no appreciation no. for spirits. I can't do spirits. Uh um but I learned to like wine. And uh but
0: um and when you were at when you're at you're a young comedian, you're SNL for fuck's sake. Jesus Christ, we all know what
1: that's like behind the scenes. Well actually, yeah, you, but you know, it's interesting. I'm from this different era of I come I'm part of this wave that came along We come after, there's the 60s and 70s. You know, 60s, they're smoking pot. 70s, they're doing cocaine. Uh, I come along in the 80s, and I'm part of this group of writers that doesn't do it. Like, we're watching our cholesterol. You know, we're like- Even then. Yeah, we're in the room with people who went into their offices maybe and closed the door and did coke, but we were completely oblivious to it. And- you know, my writing partner at the time, Greg Daniels, uh, was 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 like, uh, you know, you can't eat rye bread. It's slightly yeah. inflammatory. No, no. Like,
0: no, Gr- Greg, Greg, Greg Daniels, who created the office and Parks and Recreation with Mike Schur, among others. I I cannot picture Greg Daniels
1: taking an aspirin. No, no. Yeah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And that was my writing partner. And. I'm I mean. I'm straight as an arrow, he's straight as an arrow, We're the most, it's a ridiculous, now, this is a true story, I went and had to get a, it was a couple of years into my late night show, I had to get a physical, an insurance physical, you know, for my late night show, that, because, you know, uh, it's required, so I go and I'm getting this physical from a doctor I don't know, the insurance company chose the doctor, and he's talking to me, and then he said, um okay, alcohol. And I go like, yeah, I, I mean, I have some wine, but not, you know, da, da, da. And he said, uh, okay, and what drugs do you do? And I said, I don't do any drugs. And he said, you know, I'm a doctor, this is confidential, and you need to be honest with me. And I said, I don't do drugs. And he said, you don't do cocaine? And I said, <laughs> no, no, I don't do cocaine. And he said, I've seen your show. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And he thought that because I was this hyperkinetic, jumpy guy that I was doing cocaine. And I'm like, I promise you, I had one experience in college where I walked into a room and guys were doing uh, cocaine. And it looked like a scene from Less Than Zero. I mean, very- Oh, I'm uh, familiar. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I walk in and I'll never never forget, it. it was such a cliched 80s moment. But two of the guys were wearing white tuxedo jackets, oh, and they're of course cutting they up. Were. Of course they were, yeah. And they're doing lines of cocaine, and they they turned to me and they saw me, and with maybe not a lot of enthusiasm, but they thought, "Oh, that guy just walked in," and they said, "Oh, Conan, do you want to do some? You want some coke?" Don't we do it? Do you
0: remember if they called it like a great eighties phrase, like "toot"?
1: No, I don't remember. I think they just said "coke." I think. Uh-huh. I wish they had okay. said you know, something that didn't even, wasn't even real. You know, I wish they had said, do you want to ride the Johnny Blow train? Uh, yeah, but they didn't. Exactly. They just said, hey, hey, do you want some? And I said, oh, no, 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 my father's a doctor. He, he says it, it interrupts the heart rhythm. <laughs> 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 Needless to say, no one, no one ever offered me cocaine again. And did
0: did you say it like Lauren Michaels? I did. That was I, that was like Lauren Michaels.
1: Well, I did I wasn't even intending to do a Lauren Michaels. It was more just of a fussy
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> But uh No, no, Tony, yeah. the thing about Coke is You know what you've you got to you know not. about Coke. I'm friends with Coke. Coke and I hang out and I'm against <laughs> uh, but you know, the one thing I've learned about uh w- w- which is You know, I think it also comes from being like a doctor's son, but I'm always incredibly responsible about, (laughs) you know, well, I can't take this pill unless a doctor has prescribed it. And I've read the big form that came with it at the pharmacy. So the idea that uh, I'm an impossible square. Yeah,
0: I come from a completely different ethos. Like my thing is, if a doctor prescribes me a pill and it's one pill every four hours... Two pills has got to be better. Yes. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's honestly what, you know, as a as a recovering alcoholic addict, that's where I, I go. You know, I mean, it's like,
1: let's go. Yeah, but it's been how many years for you? That's a fantastic. It's been it how will many be, years It'll be 30 years this
0: uh,
2: next Christ. month. Yeah. And
1: well, it's
0: hard because 30 years... You know, sober you 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 kinda tend to forget what it was like. And and so I always had to be reminded because it was really fun, really fun, up until it wasn't fun anymore. Right. And then it was really not fun for a very, 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 very long time. But there like the I think of the eighties in New York and white tuxedo jackets and I'm down to clown, dude. Those were that was when when white tuxedo jackets were acceptable that's when that's the era when it was still working for me, yeah, and the other thing the other and here's the other thing, and this is why I'm fascinated with with your never getting involved in any of it was that one of the reasons I started doing all that stuff when I did was the models of people I held in esteem did it right clearly right. and you know, I don't want to necessarily... Well, we can name the names of, of the public record. You want to be funny? Belushi did it. All those guys, they were funny. They were edgy. They were cool. They did it. I I, I would see Steve McQueen at the Point Doom Market just fucked up, staggering yeah. around, stinking with his smelly feet out. And I'm like, that's Steve McQueen, dude. He's the biggest movie star in the world. And And then there was the thing of like, when Coke was good for you and, is, and it's what successful people did. Right. There was right. an era that was like, that meant you'd arrived. And like, I'm, you know, a 13-year-old, the hell do I know? And that that sort of, those messages got totally baked in for me. It's like, you know, what, what could you aspire to higher than being Jack Nicholson?
1: Right, right. I think, you know, it's the uh, it's the mistake I think a lot of people made. I think what helped me a lot was that I, obviously, in my formative years, unlike you, I didn't get to see those people. They were, you know, I'm growing up just outside Boston, Massachusetts, about as far from show business you can get, son of a, you know, microbiologist, and mother's a lawyer, and Show business was about as, you know, I'm growing up in kind of a Victorian household in some ways, and I'm show business was just so far away that I grew up really being about the ideas and the craft sort of thing, and I wasn't around any of the people. So by the time I finally got to meet the people, I was so set in my ways. Do you know what I mean? I think- Yeah, uh, yeah. I think if I had, and and I think one of the, you know, obviously you know this, but um, you think there's a mindset, which is I need this to do the good work. And you realize, well, Belushi and Farley, and they did such great work before they were were overcome by those drugs. In fact, everybody you mentioned was incredibly talented, capable. They were very talented and capable and charismatic people. And, if anything, the drug just got in the way. And- For sure. Uh, you know, um, the Beatles made just a massive amount of great music before they ever got involved in anything, in you know, other than alcohol. Uh, and so it's this idea that that's the vehicle to get to this better place, which is just incorrect. It's not true. If you're interested in the work, it's not doing anything for you.
0: It's really true.
2: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And
1: wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again?
2: That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at four ninety nine ninety nine and sofas at five ninety
1: nine ninety nine. Ashley, for the love of home.
0: I like to sometimes end the show with uh, what I call the lowdown because, yep. and it's the hackiest phrase ever, and it's been used in every stupid article ever written about me, and it it offends me. And yeah, so, but you know um, what?
1: You know what it is for you. Imagine mm. you're Tom Cruise, and every time you do an interview, yeah, they say his career's on cruise control. Ugh. And you'd think that he would contact, his publicist would say, you know, that's been used 800,000 times. But USA Today doesn't care. They're like, he's back. Oh, they really, he's on- they really don't. <laughs> 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 well, they used to, man. Yeah. Anyway, the yeah. lowdown. Let's have the lowdown.
0: So, okay, so... um. Beatles or Rolling
1: Stones? I think I know the answer. Beatles. 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 Not even not even close, right? It's not even the same thing if you know anything about music. I really admire what the Rolling Stones did, but they're basically working off of rhythm and blues and the Beatles are 9 light years ahead of them working off everything and riffing off every musical style and they're not even in the same uh solar system. So yes, it's Beatles all the way. Um Who's the most
0: overrated Beatle?
1: Oh, it's got to be John Lennon. I just said that because no one ever picks him Wow, I was going to say, that is a fucking, that is a hot take. Yeah. I was like, I, I, you know, what did Lennon ever do? <laughs> Show me one good Lennon song with the Beatles, you know? Show me one good. Okay, overrated. Uh, who's the most overrated member of Friends? Oh, wow. Well, I'm just going to say, because we are friends, it's Lisa Kudrow, because she's my friend. So uh, you get away with exper- saying that I've experienced her. Uh, yeah. I don't want to offend any of the others. So uh, I can tell you right now, I mean, Lisa Kudrow, uh, she's a friend of mine in real life. And as a real friend, she's overrated, you know, as a friend. So I'm just going after her hardcore. I, I think
0: that's probably really an interesting concept. Like which one of the friends would be the worst friends? That's the show I want to see. Which one of them is the worst
1: friend? Uh, well, I, you know what? I'm gonna have to take it back now because Lisa's a lovely friend and a great person. It was my birthday the other day and I got a lovely bottle of wine from Lisa and Michelle. I didn't get anything from Jennifer Aniston. Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you could see a UFO, a ghost,
0: or Bigfoot, which would you want to see? And would you tell anyone?
2: Yeah. Asterisk, see a U-
0: or have you seen any of those?
1: I haven't seen any of those. Never saw a ghost. You know what? I think ghosts are overrated. A ghost is just someone who used to be alive, who you wouldn't have liked, who's showing up again after they technically should have left the party. So it's like someone coming back to the party because they left their hat. You're turning in to go to bed. The doorbell rings. You've heard their stories. They weren't that much fun. And they're back to get their hat that they left. So ghosts bore me. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bigfoot, who cares? Bigfoot is probably... If Bigfoot even existed, it's just going to be slightly larger than John Tesh. And yes. uh, and who cares? UFO. I'd like to see a UFO. I'd like to see a real UFO. And yes, I would tell people about it. I would tell people I saw a real UFO. And I would describe it in detail. And I wouldn't care if they thought I was crazy. Um, I'd like to see John Tesh. John Tesh may be. He may have come to Earth on a UFO. <laughs> he is an otherworldly presence. What?
0: song lyric have you finally seen printed where you're like oh fuck wait what that like i played rock band the other day with my boys yep and i didn't realize that in blondie's heart of glass Mm -hmm. she's singing mucho mistrust
1: what did you think she was singing once you mistrust yep okay i'll tell you mine van morrison in his song, Brown Eyed Girl. Yes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's no way there's a lyric in
0: Brown Eyed Girl that we don't know.
1: That's impossible. I'm going to tell you what mine is. All right. There's a part where he says, um, going down in the old mine with a transistor radio. Right? He's he's talking Mm -hmm. about, I'm going down in the old mine with a transistor radio. Radio, yeah, sure. I used to hear, going down on an old man for a transistor radio. (laughs) And I was like, what? You need a transistor radio that badly that you're going to go down on an old man? I swear to God, for years, and I knew it couldn't be right. But I and I, to this day, I play guitar. I'll play that song. You know, I'm like going down on an old man for a transistor radio. It must be a good radio. And no one will be the wiser if you sang that lyric. No, I'm going to sing it. I, I will perform that song live and I will sing Going Down on an Old Man for a transistor radio. See,
0: I th- do you have a list of songs like I do that I think, like as a lawyer would say, stipulated, classic, great, American world classics, don't want to hear it again any- ever anymore. Need to be put away for a while because I hate to say it, Brown Eyed Girl might be the first one.
1: You know what? I always think that, and it's so good. It comes on, and I start to think, "Oh my god!" Dun, 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 dun. And you go like, "Okay, this again? Really? Again? <laughs> again?" But then I kind of fall into it. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a song. Do you have a list? I do. I think "Ain't Too Proud to Beg" needs to go. Uh huh. Well, a lot of Motown got seriously overplayed. In the 80s. Seriously overplayed in the 80s. In the, in the movies.
0: Like, I can't think of those songs without thinking of Mary Kay Place shaking a salt shaker as she dances through a kitchen or whatever. I, like,
1: I think that music now only signifies montage. Yes. Women who are finally bonding and they're singing into a hairbrush. But who are we to say put these songs away? I, I feel like that is not within my power. I can't oh it
0: sure it is all you have to say is hey band don't play this on the break um just don't play it anymore we're going to commercial I don't want to hear it
1: yeah yeah
0: did you ever say to Max Weinberg back in the
1: day we get it you're in the E Street band I did okay I did that every day that's how I greeted him in the morning we get it Max you know Clarence you have him on speed dial we get it (laughs) We get it, Matt.
0: One of the one of the great f- f- sweet like cool thrills is when I did I and I've been on your show every iteration and I always love coming on your show, but I in that iteration I came out and Max played Born to Run and it made me very happy because I figured yeah. it's it's a very finite amount of people that he unless maybe I don't know, maybe he played Born to Run for everybody he liked. Maybe I'm not that special.
1: Uh he did play it every night? It was for, <laughs> it was the night before you, it was Carrot Top. So I hate to, I hate to break it to you. Um, No, he, uh, it's not that often you get to talk to somebody who had stories about being in the biggest band in the world. Do you know what I mean? You think about it. There's, there's only been a couple of biggest bands in the world and uh, E Street Band. And you think about, okay, so you were there at every show of the Born in the USA tour which is like the biggest cultural event or one of the biggest of, of the 80s. And you were there and you mu- the shit you must have seen. Do you know what I mean? Ugh. But of course, if you talk to him, he might say, oh, I remember the Madrid show. I was too close to the ice machine. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone else has this other take, you know? I'm thinking you probably saw this majestic light over Bruce's head at the biggest show you ever did. And they're thinking about the fact that, you know what, the mattresses, in uh, In Belgium, not great, too stiff.
0: yeah, I, I heard that on that tour th- that there were that some of the band members would just count the heads to figure out what the gate was going to be.:
1: Oh, really?: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I guess it does. I guess it does, you know. For some people, uh, show business is just a transaction. Uh, for me, it's more about spirituality. I refuse to take any money for what I do.
0: Uh, well, particularly uh, when you realize that no one's going to remember.
1: Exactly. That's right. That's right. So no
0: one, you mean to tell me, I want to say, Hey, fuck you, Albert Brooks. I got one I got a bone to pick with you. Albert Brooks, people are going to remember Oxford blues long after I'm gone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think he would, he would have a caveat for Oxford blues. I think that maybe he is wrong. Some things will be remembered. The pyramids have lasted a long time; they're getting a little crumbly. Yep. But I think the pyramids, uh, Taj Mahal, Oxford Blues. Um, this has been great. I've loved I this. Mean, this has been lovely. This is really uh, You know what? I'll say, you and I have encountered each other. Uh, our paths cross. We always. I always really enjoy talking to you. Uh, and you have. I envy you. I didn't really start to get a crack at getting to know some famous people until really early 90s. And so I missed out on all these legends. Right. And every time I talk to you, I'm goading you to say like, come on, you must have met. And you've met, you like met Fred Astaire. And you're like, oh yeah, I fought him in a parking lot. And you're like, what? <laughs> you fought Fred Astaire in a parking lot? Yeah, I beat the shit out of him. But you know, he gave as good as he got. He carried a knife in his, in his sock. And I'm like, man, you've got, I envy you that. That's great. You're a great raconteur. You've got great stories.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, listen, I, uh, I love doing these shows for your company. You're my bo- Are you effectively my boss? I am not. I have no power over you.
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't know how these <laughs> <laughs> podcasts work. I don't know. I don't know either. You're, you're doing it for this company, but the, you know, I love the idea that I could say, tell Lo to shut his trap. You know, tell Lowe he's through if he ever brings that up again. But no, yeah. people would just ask me. Doesn't... Stop talking about Bigfoot. No one cares. Yeah, yeah. Tell him to stop talking about Cox. That's over, see? Tell Lowe it's over. Nope, I have no power over you. In fact, see, I think you could get me fired sooner than I could get you fired.
0: Well, that may be. Do you have any uh, any notes? Um, anything? What should I be doing better, worse, less? What, like, you're the only man I trust, Conan. You're, you're, an,
1: you're an icon. This, well, that's very nice old... of you to say. Uh, I would say work the core. Never forget mm-hmm. the core. I well, you know, what that, Stallone, you know what Stallone says? I, no, no. I did hear him say it, but I couldn't understand a word. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Bill Murray's character in Caddy.
0: <laughs> 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 he said to me, um, he said, you know, the only thing people care about is your abs and your forearms. Really? And I was like, your, fore- your forearms? He goes, "Hey, yeah, you just roll your shirt up. You show a little bit. And if that looks good,
1: they figure everything else looks good, too. Wow. So It's too bad he didn't uh, think of one more area, which is his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> a little lip control would have been nice. <laughs> That's got, no, see, you're a, you're a wealth of these things. You've got to just, man, this is fantastic. They're all true.
0: They're, there's, yeah. there's no elaboration, honestly. Listen, I'm a, firm, I'm a firm believer in never letting the facts get in the way of a good story. Right. Uh, but, but when I'm telling you about people and encounters, I, they're absolutely 100% stone the truth.
1: That's great. That's great. Well, I'm going to work on my abs and my forearms right now. Yes, and you're tan. Well, that's not happening. It's just not happening.
0: When you come up here again, I know we talk about this every time we see each other, but uh, we we must we must go look for the great
1: white sharks. I'll take you yeah. out on the stand up. I'll paddle. go out. I'll go out with you. Yeah, I'll go out with you if you bring seven men to help me stand up on the on the paddle board. I'm going to need seven strong men to get me to stand up on the paddle board, and uh, a camera to get me out there, and a camera to get you out there because you don't exist without a camera.
0: No, and, and 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 it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's all transactional, like exactly. Albert Brooks says. Exactly. No one will ever remember that they suffered through this podcast.
1: This was great. I think you're nuts listening to you and I, Gab. That's a dream for anyone, isn't it? Though it is. What coronavirus? I say it just went away for an hour. You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. awful attitude That, that was good oh god that was fun thanks man i'll never speak to you again
0: that's the end yeah that's the end i'll never talk to you again oh my god that was awesome i could have talked for another five hours to conan it's funny i i've it's it's weird to be in a relationship with somebody that the only time you ever see them you're separated by a desk and you're on national television and then you get them doing something intimate like a podcast and you get to see a whole other side of somebody. Um, and it's it's really great. It reminds me of why I do these shows, actually. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I'll see you on the next podcast. You have
1: been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Torrey Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. Supervising producer is Aaron Blair. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This has been a Team Cocoa Production in association with Stitcher.
2: Nine one one, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Tonight, nine one one comes to ABC. If we're gonna make it out of here, we gotta work together. Tonight at nine on ABC, followed by Seven News at eleven. This is why you watch Seven News at five. This breaking story is happening as we speak. To get breaking news from the alert desk, when I know about it, you'll know about it first. So you're always connected with what's happening now. Only on Seven News at five.